This episode of The A-Team is brought to you by FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's number one source for Magic the Gathering card singles. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The A-Team. Uh, today we have a special guest, uh, Dan Lanthier. And uh, as some of you might know, he's been caught up in some hoopla about him being accused of being a cheater. And we just want you all to know that we, we joke about the situation because it's so absurdly... Uh, patently false. Uh, you'll watch, uh, and we know Dan. He's a great dude, and uh, we just want you all to know that we we joke about it because it's it's so false. So Jay, you saw the video. Yeah, I think it's like so obvious that there's like nothing even going on. It's it's so ridiculous. So um, I, we like I said, we just we joked about it tonight on the show with Dan, and we just wanted to make sure that everybody knows that the reason that we're joking about it is because it's so stupid in the first place that uh, we just didn't feel like it even deserved the time of day. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Is he, Dan is a great dude, and he does not deserve any reputation like this. So uh, that's all we had to say about it, and uh, enjoy the show. Welcome to the A-Team Podcast, brought to your ears by ManorDeprived.com, home of Canadian magic. In 2010, a crack magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mice they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound-me-in-the-ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. Anything that costs a shit ton of mana, you're just like, bang! And they're like, fuck! How does that go? Bang! Fuck! <laughs> Jay Boosh. And that's like the hyper angle. I never want to play in another GP again. I, want to, I never, ever want to play in another GP. Jeremy. And you're the reason I play Magic too. I'm like, I just like, I died. I died. I was like, like just melting on the inside like that. I have inspired this kid to play Magic. And Matt. So I'm having this conversation with this guy in Chile about my deck. And then I'm getting pizza from a guy in Canada. It's like, magic is fucking weird. And now, the A-Team. Hello. Welcome to episode 294 of the A-Team. Uh, I'm the new host. I kicked everybody else off. We fired Matt Mendoza. Uh, my name is Jay. I haven't really figured out a nickname yet. But I have um, some lined up. You know, maybe we'll have a poll. I mean, some kind of contest. I was thinking, like, I could be called, like, Jay Garuk. Uh, or maybe like Jay Chandra Saharsky, something like that. You know, maybe Fourth Fruit Station. That's my nickname. Will be on Moto because I play Moto all the time. That's a great program. I like it. Uh, in other news, we have another new host, KYT. <laughs> How's it going, KYT? Good. It really does sound like you're you're just finishing up uh, on a nice plate of food. <laughs> And the way you pronounce it. <laughs> just like, mwah, mwah, mwah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm just getting done dinner with Martin Bernet. <laughs> they did put the cutlery the right way this time, so that's good. Good, yeah. I, I'm really happy uh, 
to have you on, man, just to see how life is treating you. Uh, we're converting the show to be more, more of a one-hour show these days, just to make sure that everyone has the time to devote to it and to jam-pack it with um, awesomeness. And we're going to have Dan Lantier later on, a bit oh later on God, fame, in the show. Oh, my God. Fame cheater Dan Lantier? <laughs> fame cheater to, to try to – he wants to clear his name on the 18th, wow. so we'll give him a chance to do that. Absolutely. But, uh, absolutely, we'll give him a chance to do that. First things first, Jay, how's it going? Is it just mainly work that's been crushing you? Um, have you had any time, any time at all for Magic, especially Conspiracy 2, one of your favorite, like, non-standard Magic-type sets? Uh, okay, so that's a lot of questions. So first, <laughs> let's do the hot take here. So I, uh, it has been work that's been crushing me. Um, I worked nights all of a sudden, and I was supposed to be done working nights a while ago. But then, of course, the airport changed their mind and was like, no, you're going to work nights until the end of time. Because you don't need a life or anything. You're an adult. Ha-ha-ha. So, okay, great. Um, but I have had a little bit of time for a little bit of magic. So um, first, like a couple weeks ago, I wanted to come on the show and talk about it, but I couldn't um, because of stupid working nights. But um, I, I've been designing like a commander set to go with my cube. And uh, we playtested it um, a little while ago, like two or three weeks ago, and it was super fun. So uh, thanks to everybody that helped design cards and um, helped me playtest it and stuff. That was super fun. Um, I know you guys don't really like talking about that shit, so I won't talk about it too much. I'll just say, like, what I said, basically. Sweet. Uh, and then, in terms of conspiracy, I have had time to play conspiracy. So I texted uh, famed level two judge, uh, Neil. I don't even know Neil's last name, really. I'm trying to think. what's Oh, Myers. Neil Myers. Great guy. Uh, if there's some way out there to get him some judge foils, I don't know how that works, so please do that. Um, I texted him, and I said, hey, are we playing Conspiracy? And he said, yeah, I guess we are. And I said, great. Uh, let's do that. And so he bought two boxes and invited a whole bunch of people over, and we played a little Conspiracy, and it was super fun. We had two pods of, like, we drafted in a pod of eight, and then we had two pods of four like to play um and that was like a super cool way to play because uh playing like eight person fucking multiplayer magic is the worst like the only bad thing about conspiracy is that it's a multiplayer format and multiplayer is just fucking garbage um they really need to like they need to, they need to make like the life totals in multiplayer like 10 or something like it's, it's fucking trash like i don't know how they fix that but it's just garbage but uh it was super fun so I drafted, um, like, I, I really, really want to try and see how the, how the, um, the Monarch mechanic would play out. Um, I, I really liked it, but I felt like um, maybe it was a little lacking, just because there's nothing really that interacts with the Monarch. You just are the Monarch. And I actually, I thought that when you were the Monarch, you got um, Phyrexian Arena at the end of your turn. So I thought you lost a life. So I thought there was, like, a little bit of a drawback to being a Monarch. But there's literally no drawback to being the Monarch at all, uh, other than people just want to attack you specifically, like you put a big target on your head. Um, but it's a pretty cool mechanic. I like uh, the Monarch. Nobody else seemed to really care about the Monarchy. So I just took every... In the draft, I took every Magic card that said Monarch on it. And I just was the Monarch and drew a whole bunch of extra cards. And then uh, in the first game, I ended up winning. Um, mostly, I think, because I just ended up like, having so many extra cards that um, people couldn't really keep up kind of thing. Um, but the interesting thing about Monarch is, like, so, especially in multiplayer, so 
for those of you that haven't played Conspiracy yet, all it is is if you're the monarch, because you can have this in Legacy, I think, too now, and EDH. If you're the monarch, you uh, get to draw a card at the end of your turn. So first of all, I really like that it's the end of your turn. I think that's really cool because it's really like shitty when you like you work hard to do something and then you somebody just like like you howling mine and then somebody else gets everybody else especially a multiplayer gets to draw their card and then you just don't like they attack you you're not the monarch anymore and then like you got no benefit out of your really cool magic cards that's like super annoying um so i like that they did that that you draw the card at the end of your turn i think that was really smart um what else? Oh, I didn't like... Here's the thing I didn't like about the monarchy. is like, it just felt like you didn't really do anything. So they, I think that was a balance issue. They were probably, like, really afraid, I think, of... Um, they were, like, really afraid of overpowering it, like, making it so that, like, you're basically invincible. Um, so you become the monarch. You get to draw a card at the end of your turn. But that's it. There's like no, there's, I think there's one card that if you're the monarch at the end of your turn, you get to uh, drain everybody at the table for one, which is actually really powerful in, uh, in multiplayer. But um, like, that was it. There was nothing that said like, if you're the monarch, do this. There's like a creature, I think that gets plus one plus one. Um, but like that card is kind of like counterintuitive. Cause I felt like as the monarch, you were never really being aggressive and it's a two drop for two. Or I mean, sorry, it's a two, two for two that, uh, like gets bigger so you like drop it and then like none of the cards that make you the monarch like are active until this like turn four so this guy just sits there as a two two for two for a long time and then like on your turn five if you're somehow still the monarch he's a three three like zippity doo dah. but uh <laughs> yeah so i thought that would have been that was a really cool design space i thought they could have done a whole lot of stuff if you're the monarch your creatures get trampled if you're the monarch this happens or whatever if you lose the monarchy then you have to fucking do something crazy or i don't know uh, that'd be cool but it was a fun set. It's way more fun than uh, Conspiracy 1. And I'm, like, scouring every day. I scour the fucking face-to-face -face pages to try to find, like, um, try to find, like, the all the, the sweet, like, foils that I need for my cube. Because, like, this set is easily going to be the set that has the most cards that go in it for the cube. Like, I'm a sucker for, uh, like, the draft cards and the conspiracies and like just shit. Like, yeah. I love that stuff. Like when you when you draft like Archdemon of Paliano or whatever, and you like pass it to some guy as his like last pick in pack one, and then he just has to <laughs> randomly draft the first three cards of pack two, and you just fucking hose him so bad. Oh, that's like that's so good. That's so good because nobody for whatever reason like nobody wants to take this card, even though like after like. It's like a, it's like still like a pretty low power set. Like after like the first four picks or three picks, like you're not getting anything powerful anyway. Like, so I don't know why I would, I mean, people should have just picked it early, but yeah. So then you just like ship it to the guy last and he just gets fucking just hammered on it. But it was super fun. I really liked it. Wow. That's, that's an interesting, instead of picking it. Oh no. Cause it sort of fucks you. Cause it's your, cause it's your next, next three, right? Right, right. I mean, but you're right. It's like a five-four flyer. That's a yeah. pretty. It's like a bomb like in most four. formats. That's like a hyper bomb. Like, <laughs> who fuck cares? You have like, and it's, especially if it's like early in the packs. Like, if it's early in the packs, like, there's you have like, like, like the. It's funny because conspiracy like has always been the set where like I feel like, like 
people don't really understand it at all. So like what ends up happening is like people like look at the conspiracies and then they're like, oh, an attacking creature gets indestructible or whatever. Like there was three of those in our draft. When it attacks, you pay white and it becomes indestructible. So not only is that card insane if you have multiples, that card is fucking insane if the card that you name has multiples. And that card is also insane if you have any fucking card in your deck that's a bomb. Like a 4-4 four, for four, 4 that's just indestructible every time it attacks. Like, fucking good luck ever uh, blocking that shit. Uh, hello. And then, like, but people don't draft, like, the conspiracies ever. Like, it's kind of weird. So they just kind of like look at them and they're like ah this is probably not as good as like just this 3 3 for 3 with a marginal ability like right, i'll right. just take that so then you end up getting these cards like super late so it's kind of the same thing like with the arch demon it's like even the people that were playing black were taking like cards like regicide over it which is like a fine card except for there were so many times where people would be sitting in their pods with regicide just fucking like not able to kill any creatures that were on the board whatsoever um and and they could have had a five four flyer that's a bomb and so here's the thing you take it early and you have three three packs basically two and a half packs to like make up those those draft picks right so it's so right there mitigated problem should be no problem you should take it uh if you take it late then you've already gotten your good picks so you should be taking it anyway because it's a bomb so well well, the the two people in front of you should have picked it well that's the thing right who, who gives a shit you get random dirtbag picks yeah. and they're random you might still get a card that you need yeah yeah so like i feel like archdemon is like a really fun card because so many people are like you can just like fuck people with it and but like they <laughs> they still get like a bomb so like right. you know so it's like they don't really have anything to complain about and it's like one of those super fun fucking it's not like judge tower or like these stupid 80 hundred card combos where like people fucking are like, oh, I cast this into this into this into this, and everybody's locked out of the game. Woo! Judges are fun. Um, it's like a super fun card, and then like, and people don't understand it. So you should like, you should really just be taking it. You should almost always be taking this card, unless there's like a better bomb in the pack. But if you're in even remotely those colors, you should just be taking it at all times. Like I said, you'll either make up your picks later if you're taking it early, or you will have already gotten your picks if it's late. But that so that was fun. And, like, conspiracies were just going around in droves. And then, like, the cards that care about the number of cards that you've picked, those cards are really interesting. So I originally, and, and so did everybody else in the pod, they thought that you should be taking those cards late to get the most power out of them. So that's things like Garbage Fire and Custody Peacekeeper, I think it's called. So for those of you that don't know what it is, it just says when you draft this card, like, note the number of cards you drafted, and then it has an effect for that many cards. So Garbage Fire is, deals damage to a creature only, equal to the number of cards you've drafted. So if Garbage Fire is the 10th card you've drafted, for three mana, you deal 10 damage target creatures. <laughs> right? Which is, like, insane. But what happened is people would, like, get this card when it was, like, they would see it when it was, like, the third or the fourth card that they've drafted. So they thought, like, oh, three mana for three damage isn't, like, exciting. It's fine. But I'd rather take this other cool card. But then what happens is Garbage Fire, all the Garbage Fires always do the, an amount of damage equal to the most that you've drafted with it. So if you pick up one early, like say it's card number three, and then you pick up one late and it's card number 10, they all do 10 damage. So like, of course, in the first draft, this guy gets a custody peacekeeper on like three. So it's tap target creature with power three or less. And then he gets another one on fucking 11. 
So he just has two blinding mages that can tap down any creature in the format. Sweet. And, like, he is just invincible, basically. He, he never takes a point of damage. So that's cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was a super fun format, though. Sweet, sweet. Okay, we got Matt Mendel. You didn't fire him. He's, he's going to come back from, from your firing to join us. Department. Hey, so welcome to the cast, Matt. Well, How's it going? I'm on a podcast. Boom! You're on the podcast. We have anti... Uh, we have revived you from the firing of Jay Boosh. And <laughs> Jay was talking about how how much he loved Conspiracy. So, Matt, did you get to play it as uh, you were hoping to do when, when we talked about it last episode? Nope. Oh. oh see, why is this guy even on the show? Fuck. <laughs> Doesn't even contribute. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> um... So how how was your week then? <laughs> <laughs> What's this, this evil grin? Hilarious. Uh, bad. Oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, this isn't Mori Povich. Moving on, KYT. <laughs> yeah, so as many of you know, I played in Grand Prix Indianapolis and... Right! Saw those updates. It did not go well. Yeah. It was the the high highs and the low lows. After a 4-0 start, I went 0-4 and dropped. Wow. Yep. Ugh. Yep. Garbage. And then in the uh, modern 10K prize tickets event, I went 1-3 drop. Oh my god. Yep. Yep. Were are there any bright sides? Did anybody on your team do well? Nope. <laughs> oh god. Sweet. I mean a couple of my friends did fine. Uh I'm excited for my friend Jacob. He eleven Ford uh with Infect and he's been working on uh playing that deck uh, for a long time and he thinks about it a lot and he works on it on it a lot and it's really exciting to see his practice pay off uh we learned a lot about the format and about the deck and about what decks to bring to a grand prix and what decks not to bring to a grand prix and what what are what my goals are as a magic player and all of that um one interesting conversation that really really came out of the GP was what is a the goal of a player playing at a GP? Uh, KYT, you've played in more GPs than Jay. When you go to a what? GP, why do you go? And then what do you want to do when you get there? Um, now it's like maybe different, but during my prime, which I hope to re-enter at some point, um, it was just a road to a, a fun trip to go to some place with a bunch of friends to, uh, like before when it was the old PTQ system, traveling six hours for just a local PDQ and traveling six to eight hours back was kind of lame. Here, you get the chance to do the same thing, but you get to see all your other friends as well, or friends you haven't seen in a while. And the main thing is a path, all but a harder path to get to the pro tour. So for me, all the money and all that, the prize structure, that even the added money that they've added uh, for, for this year, 
season of GB didn't really matter to me. Like the one thing I only cared about was making it like making. I mean, there's always the thought that maybe you should start small in terms of your goal. Like, okay, first goal is to make day two. Second goal is to cash. Third goal is to maybe top 16 and top eight. Like you can like sort of sort of do that to sort of make yourself to pace yourself and make you feel better about your accomplishments um, because they're, they're, they're more reachable. But, you know, the, the ultimate goal for me was always to either top eight or X2, whichever it was, to qualify myself for the Pro Tour. It didn't really... And then, obviously, winning it for the uh, notoriety and the respect uh, would be the extra bonus. But making it to the PT was goal one, and secondary was um, to win a GP. But now that I've, I've made the PT twice, if I played a GP, it would be to, to win it. Okay. So do you think that it's a little misguided to have the goal of making the Pro Tour at a GP? Uh, yeah. Like, as what? As, like, one of your first GPs? Yeah, or... well, okay, so one of the things, as... the conversations that we've been, that Michael and I had, for example, uh, was, was he's basically, he's the guy who consoles me. He's the guy who I call, and I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm about to jump off this cliff. Please talk me off this club. <laughs> Thank God it's not Jay. So, <laughs> I, I would uh, tell you not to buy a pair of shoes. <laughs> Kill yourself, Mendoza, right now. So um, he talks about that going to a GP with your goal, going with the goal of, uh, w- with the goal of getting on the pro tour is is kind of silly, because you have to not only do so well at the GP to qualify for the pro tour. You also have to battle people who are already qualified for the Pro Tour or who are Hall of Famers or whatever. You basically, it's the hardest road to the Pro Tour through the GPs. Right. So he says, like, I should really just focus my efforts on PPTQs and RPTQs, which I definitely agree with him there. Uh, I, I just don't know. Uh, dis- I'm disappointed with my results. I can't help but be. But I don't know what I should expect from the results of a GP at this point in my magic career. Ooh, that's a toughie. Yeah. So that's why uh, like, when I talk about my deck choice, like we had long conversations about, did I pick the right deck? Is Ponza a good deck for a GP? Or is it a better deck for an eight-round tournament or a nine-round tournament where, uh, you know, one round a one round loss isn't going to knock you completely out of top eight. Whereas like at a 15 round event, you can have two rounds of variance because your deck, you know, just two rounds, for example, I just mulliganed to five and four and land flooded games two and three, you know, and just that's how I lost two of my matches. And, uh, I, I just don't know if that's the right like if uh if I'm missing the point of a Grand Prix. Right, right. Um Matt. So Dr. Bush, <laughs> do you have any thoughts? Um I'm curious to know yeah. actually before we get into that that aspect again, is what was the conclusion with your talk? Um I, I know there's someone you look for guidance, but is he someone that has basically made it there a few times or like what um and what is the conclusion about the deck choice was it right or wrong 
and is the conclusion from what I'm getting from from what you're saying picking a deck with lower variance is better for a GP. Well, in terms of player skill, we I I'm probably the better player. Uh just simply because I play more and I play more formats and stuff like that, but uh so in and in terms of pro tour experience, neither of us have been on the pro tour. So uh, I take, you know, we, we definitely understand the short, the like inexperienced nature of our opinions, uh, mm-hmm. perhaps. And then, um, so when we talked about it, uh, he, he was like, yeah, your goal at a GP is to go and have fun, especially if you don't have buys, like buys reducing, buys reduce the amount of rounds that variance will punish you. Mm-hmm, right and he's like to go to a gp and expect to do really well with no buys is silly uh he he thinks so okay um and, and especially with a with a deck that's not established tier one you know where yeah. th- there's the there's a reason we see these established decks in fact affinity uh jeskai burn like there's a reason we see these established decks consistently do well right uh, outside of like jeskai right now for the metagame and and uh, there's arguments about whether burn despite the fact that it just won the gp there's arguments with w- with whether or not it's a good deck choice for a gp because of right. the variant nature of that deck so uh we concluded that if your goal is to have fun at a gp then ponza if you love the deck is absolutely the right choice. Right. But if your goal is to, is more than that, um, it may not be. Okay. Because if somebody like Efro can 11, four can only 11, four with it. And then, uh, none of the, none of the other players that were playing at top 64, like it had no showing in the top 64, which I realize, you know, top 64, it's like a, it's like, x3 or better um and even some of the x3s didn't top 64 so looking at just that metagame breakdown is not as accurate as like as possible but um i don't know i'm just or you know (laughs) you sound so lost yeah maybe the deck's not there yet and no your your testing results lead me to believe otherwise okay um based on how you talked about it i think your deck and the way you tested and and your success at the local level, despite not winning at all, uh, makes me think, makes me believe that the deck has a chance. And of course, when the metagame breakdown came out, with the, how the pie was divided, to me, again, it was just scattered everywhere. Like Affinity was, what, the highest at 10 or 11%, yeah. but everything else was like split fairly even. There was like a, a spread of everything. So... But I, I agree with your friend that um, most of the time you're not going to do well. If you have no buys most of the time, like even cashing, like like if you have to split the probability of you, like whether uh, split it in a pie, probability of you top eighting, cashing, not making day two and everything, There's it doesn't really look that good for you to have like an excellent GP. The odds are are stacked against you to make the PT that route. I don't, when I travel to do these things, I obviously, for me, I don't just do it for fun, especially if I pay like an excess of $500, let's say, to fly to GP Vancouver, which I have. Yeah. Like, 
doing really well has to be part of the equation because when you go to GP, as Jay would know, I don't even have time to spend with the people that I care about that much. So I have to put a lot of value in the tournament itself. Um, as for me, there's always this debate of uh, picking a deck with higher or lower variance. If you feel you're, I think if you feel you emotionally couldn't handle the variance, uh, lower variance is definitely better for people's psyche. But I think it it doesn't matter to me um, picking high or, or low. It's whichever one has the highest overall EV, regardless of of how high variance it is. But uh, the only time where it matters to me in the equation, I want to pick a lower variance deck if I think I'm more skilled than my opponent, because that means I generally will be playing more interactive games of magic against my opponent. And if I am better than him, then I can leverage that skill. But high variance, like you mentioned, Naya Burn, you know, just there's some days where you will run hot and win the whole thing. And Ponza, there are those days where you're going to have all the best matchups somehow line up, and you're just going to crush. You're going to have these matchups that you feel are excellent, whereas when you're playing low variance, you might have to, like, oh, coin, like, 50-50 all the time, and that's not necessarily a great way to, to win a tournament either. So they both have their advantages and disadvantages. So I don't think you... You made a terrible choice based on your PPTQ results and the testing results that you've mentioned. And, you know, it's just tough. You're, you're most of the time, I've only day twoed 50% of my GPs. I've made like two top 16s or three. And it's just tough. Like, you can't just look at one and, and feel bad about it. Okay. Like, I think I've logged, I don't know how many GPs I play, but it's a fuck ton. And I've only day twoed 50% or even lower. So I don't know. And yeah, it's. I'd have. To, I'm curious about the results of all the pilots that played your deck. I mean, you're saying no, none of them top 64 or whatever, but I'm curious to, to know exactly how many of them actually played the deck. I yeah, I am hearing results. Uh, I, I did get results from a lot of them, uh, which is really cool because I, I feel so proud. Uh, I can't help but get excited whenever I see uh, watching round eight uh, of GP. Uh, of the GP coverage where uh, I can't remember his name, but he was playing Ponza and it, I, I was like, it made me really excited, but I just don't want, uh, I don't want to lead people astray and I don't want to be wrong. And I don't know, you know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm a little lost, you know, <laughs> And uh, part part of me wants to uh, like I have a PPTQ coming up on Sunday, and uh, it's modern. And part of me really wants to play Ponza because I, I just want to see if this hypothesis is kind of correct. If I feel like it's a better choice for an event that's a little bit shorter, uh, or if I want to switch to something like Affinity because I have a lot of experience with Affinity. Uh, I've played it ever since like Meriden block was a thing. And uh, I have a lot of experience with that deck. So, and I have it all built and it's nice to have it just around. Uh, and it's doing a little well, a little bit better because the metagame ha hate has kind of shifted. Mm -hmm. But, uh, right. um, and also one of the things that I realized was that if my, 
if my goal of being an all around, if my goal is being a uh, professional magic player, uh, right. whatever that means, because uh, it means a little, you know, it's different for everybody. Then I need to stop. Then really developing this one niche deck, it it kind of takes away from a lot of the mental energy I could put towards standard or practicing limited or getting better at all that stuff. So I've had the question of in a, not only am I making the right deck choice, but am I making the right time and energy choice? Am I making the right decision when it comes to how I'm spending my magic time and energy? Right. Right. I, I like that. Actually, rec- I would recommend that, Matt. I would recommend if part of your training, because you've, you've spent a lot of time on ponds itself. I think definitely part of improving yourself is to pick up uh, and play or play against all these different decks. Like pick up Affinity, pick up Dredge. It just works your mind in a different way and makes you be able to play against them and game plan against them a lot better. So if you're leaning towards just like spreading your knowledge and your time to other decks and archetypes, I think that's hugely beneficial to you, would be my opinion. Okay. But yeah, again, I don't, I wouldn't look at just this. That's the tough part about magic, I feel, and uh, why I've become, I think, an episode or two episodes ago, I mentioned being discouraged by playtesting too much on a certain deck because you're only going to improve. Well, once it's diminishing returns, because once you hit a point where your deck is pretty good, like 90%, like maybe max four cards off of your 75, then it's like. Then you might be spending hours on a given matchup that you know you're only going to improve a certain percentage. And again, these tournaments are just in general are high variance. You can multiply, you probably multiply at least once minimum every tournament. So you're going to run into that. So a lot of the time, I think uh, for me now, my current approach would be to try to improve my general magic skill. And so. Um, I have been playing, like I said, Suicide Zoo before. In the last FNM, I uh, finished first with uh, the deck that I told you uh, told you I was going to try, Matt, uh, Grimflare Jund, and uh, did really, like finish first with it. Um, and looking to pick up Dredge and other stuff like that, so I, I, I can expand my mind a little bit more and just be able to get better at those decks and fine-tune my skills at playing these other type of archetypes. Um, I was impressed. Um, I'm going to talk about quickly about the Jun deck. was quickly impressed by Grimflare um, when I played it, and uh, my opponents were more scared about it than my Tarmogoy. <laughs> like, they were targeting the removal at it because they didn't want me to, to mill cards. They didn't want me to be able to control the top of my deck. So from that standpoint, it was really interesting, and it because Jun plays so much removal... You set them up for them not really wanting to double block because they're scared of being blown out. You kill the removal, you trample over, still get the effect, and it's like a huge blowout. Um, but I keep facing your deck, Matt, at the local FNM. I lost to it. My only <laughs> loss to it was against it. It was an early Blood Moon, and he had Acid Moss for my the one the basics. Like it doesn't even matter now. I realize if I fetch basics early or not if the deck is running Acid Moss, because he because I only have one Swamp, one Forest, right? So if he destroys my Forest, like, I'm just fucked. Like, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> um, so maybe 
maybe because if I think they have acid moss or I see it in their hand and I can't discard it, I have to not, I have to sandbag the basic lands. I actually have to sandbag them to when I have an answer to Blood Moon or something like that, or keep a fetch land uncracked. Um, and so when they play Blood Moon, I can crack it and then destroy it before they acid moss or something like that. Yeah. So I just realized that's the issue. Um, but uh, Dr. Booch, Booch, any any last advice for, for uh, Matt Mendoza here? Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know. You know how I feel about brewers and their attachment to their brew decks. Like, if it's I not don't. working. <laughs> no, no, I, I was talking to KY. Oh, okay. I'm, I've mentioned it on the show before, I'm sure, with you here. But, like, I mean, I've seen your interactions with other players before about oh. your deck. And you're, like, very defensive of your deck, which which could be accurate and could not be. Like, I'm not saying one way or another. But, like, just any time that somebody's brewed their own deck, like, you, you hit your, the nail on the head already kind of with it. But anytime someone's brewing their own deck, like, they're just, you have a, you have a, an emotional attachment to it and you want to prove something and cerebrally you want to you know say that you did it but you don't want to just say you did it you need to be able to say you did it with something that you created and like that's all part of the i think it's timmy um like persona and so like you people when they're brewing like you, you can run into situations like that where you're like well is this the best deck i don't know and you know, should I be trying something different? And, you know, we saw it with Scotty a lot on the show when he was doing, like, when he was talking about, like, Geist oh, yeah. or whatever. And it Team, was like, Team Geist. Yeah, it was like he never did anything with fucking Geist for years. But it was like he, like, people like that won't give up that deck, right? So when I go to a tournament, because I don't have any attachment to a deck, because I really hate deck brewing um, with a passion, um, I, I don't know if I ever play the right deck either, but I have a lot more fun, it seems, than brewers do. Um, I have a lot of brewers in my friend circle, and they never seem to have any fun because they feel uh, like I don't know where they get this arrogance from. But but brewers seem to think that they everyone's broken the format. Like there's like no brewer on the planet thinks that they're like marginally okay, or that they figured out like maybe one line that might work if a maybe situation happens. Every conversation I've ever had with a deck brewer is this is this, and it's the end all be all. I've basically invented Darth fucking Vader, and check out my shit. And then they go oh twenty. <laughs> And then what happens? They fucking cry and call their friend and say, bro, I don't think I'm ever going to play modern again. Fucking, I just suck and it's not even worth it. And I'm just getting crushed. Why am I dumping all this time into this? And it's like, well, yeah, then don't. Like, I don't play fucking magic anymore either. Like, if you're not getting enjoyment out of magic, stop fucking playing it. Like, that's my advice, you know? Okay. Maybe Ponza's, maybe Ponza's great. Good for you. You invented a deck that a pro talked to you about a couple of times and played and... You know, now they now they've moved on. Like fucking move on with them or keep playing Ponza and lose and cry about it. I don't really know what the what the answer is. Like I feel like um if you're not if you're not breaking like modern seems to have like a very a very like specific shelf life, like half life. Like if you come up with a new deck, it has a very limited amount of time and it's either the best deck or becomes a contender or it's not. And you need to stop, like, banging your head against the wall and just realize that and accept that. And it's really hard. That's like somebody saying, like, your art sucks um, and you need to accept that you're not Van Gogh, so stop painting. And you, you say that to a guy who's dumped all this emotion and all this effort and all this, 
time uh, into painting, and you say to him, like, bro, your paintings suck. Stop fucking painting. Um, and no one just says, like, yep, yeah, you're right. You got me. I stuck at painting. I, I'm just going to go be, a, uh, like, a fucking IT tech now. No one says that. So um, it's really hard to to do that as a brewer, like, for sure. That's that's something that they all have to deal with. But none of them seem to have that. Every every brewer thinks that they're the smartest the smartest guy. <laughs> okay. It's okay, Matt. I don't. I don't think you're like that. I, yeah, for okay. sure, for sure, Matt is. For sure, he is. Have you seen his interactions with like Conley Woods about his deck? No, I haven't. It's like it's like. <laughs> I'm not saying that Matt's wrong. I'm just saying like Conley maybe knows a thing or two more about Magic than Matt does. But it's like it's not just Matt. It's every brewer. But it's like you try to talk to them, right? So you say they say like, "Hey, why?" Are you, like somebody says, "Hey, why are you playing whatever card, card X in your deck?" And then you give your reason why. And then someone says, well, what about this, 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 and this? They have like a hundred reasons why not do that. And then you just say like, yeah, but still. Every Magic player just says, yeah, but still. And you're like, okay, yeah, great, bye. Like conversation over, just keep losing. And then they go into these PTQs and these GPs and these whatevers, and they never put up results, like ever. <laughs> and then they still, they still fucking defend their shit just for like, just forever. Just forever, they defend their stuff, and it's like you know what? Like you have to sometimes let the, let the, like the cream speak for the cow kind of thing, you know? If it's not working, like how can you stand there and say, oh yeah, still, yeah, but still, yeah, but still? But you see that in all human interaction, right? Like who, who, who gives up on their marriage, you know, when it's time to give up? Like nobody. You fight for it, and you live in these marriages that maybe you shouldn't be in for a long time, or you stay friends with these people that are just absolute cunts to you. And you don't really get along with them, like, whatsoever, right? But you still cube with them because you'd rather cube and be unhappy than... Oh, no. Cube, oh, no. Right? Oh, no. So, you, so like, but, you know what? but I got shit on for that. I got shit on all over for that, right? But it's just, like, to me, I see it as very, very similar in that, you know, it's just you pour a lot of time and effort into stuff, and it's really hard to just say that I failed. And we don't live in a society where it's okay to fail in the first place. So it's really hard to say, I, I put all this time and work and energy into this project, and it didn't work. I failed. And, and a lot of people see it as, if, I, if I'm admitting that I failed or if I did fail, then it's a waste of time. But it's not a waste of time. You learned something. If you learned something, then it's not a waste of time at all. And you can move on, and you can say, okay, like I get it now. These don't work. This is fine. You know, No problem. I learned what does and doesn't work. Um, you know, and next time that this comes up, I know that these this doesn't work this way, or I know that I need to get more sleep. I can't go partying when I make day two of a GP because then I won't get up and I won't make the GP. You know, but if you're not learning and you're just saying like, yeah, I went fucking O four, but it was probably because of variance. My deck is the best deck in the whole world, and Conley Woods doesn't know what he's talking about. Then I don't know. Maybe you're right. I guess, and I guess we'll see you at the next fucking Pro Tour. I guess when you win it with your well. deck. Right, like that's. I mean, I get, I get this a lot. Like I play Dota, and I you you see it a mm -hmm. lot in Dota. People just say like, you you aren't playing properly, or you're not building correctly, or you're building the wrong item. I'm sure it happens in League of Legends all the time too. Um, and it's like, oh, I didn't realize that playing in this in the in the low skill bracket with like fucking armchair quarterbacks was uh was the the road to the next twenty million dollar international. I guess I'll see you uh, at the international because you have you have all the answers about how to play magic correctly or how to play how to play dota correctly 
but it's like you know you're not there and i'm not saying like i know the best deck or whatever i obviously don't i don't play modern i don't give a shit about modern but you know i wouldn't i would never subject myself to that kind of torture like i'm not going to play affinity for fucking two years and try to make it work if it's if it doesn't work you know matt you uh, give us your last thoughts on this <laughs> well i don't think my deck is the best ever uh <laughs> i can tell you that when i went 04 the 04 period of the tournament uh was uh one loss could have gone either way it was a close game against merfolk uh, they happen to be playing the eight seas version, so seas claim plus spreading seas, uh, which throws me off a little bit more. Makes it harder to cast a little a bit of my spells, but it was hard fought and really was really close. Uh, the loss after that was to Green Red Tron, where game one uh, everything went according to plan and it went well. Uh, game two, I drew ten lands and three spells, uh, something like that. And uh, game three, I mulliganed a hand that I cannot, a seven card that I cannot keep against Tron uh, to a new land six, to a mediocre five, to a mediocre four, and lost that round. Um, and then I threw away the next two matches. At, 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 least, at least I didn't give myself the chance to, to play them properly because of the mistakes that I made in keeping hands that I did. Uh, whatever. Uh, you know, and I, I would like to, and Jay, to, I definitely understand where you're coming from. I definitely uh, see some of that in myself. Uh, I definitely hope that uh, my interactions with Conley, the ones that you are talking about specifically, were more constructive and less defensive uh, than possible. I was merely trying to just explain uh, how everything, how the, the kind of the decks work, the deck works. Uh, I mean, I, I think Colin Woods probably understands how it works. Okay. Well, I, I mean, it's not like... It, I have a lot of people who ask a lot... Who yeah, assume a lot Conley about Woods. the deck. Conley Woods, right? I, it's, like, it doesn't... I mean... Like, I would never be so arrogant as to try to explain how a deck works to Jerry Thompson. I mean, Efro Efro read my article and got things out of it. So I right. can't, like, assume that Conley Woods knows my deck in and out. Okay. Like... That's fair. Yeah. So... And that's that's okay. Like, I, and I want input. I would. I want input. And that, like, that was part part of a little bit about my frustration with like Efro, which uh, was that I I I like didn't get enough from him. I feel like, and uh, that's fine. He has no obligation to give me anything. But I just I always I wanted info. Any time I see somebody playing the deck, I go, how does how do you like this card? How do you like this card? How does this how, like, how do you feel in that matchup? How does that matchup go? Uh, I'm always mining people for information because I don't want to be that guy. I, I um, and it's weird because I've never been a brewer. This is just a weird part of my magic life. Like all the years previous, I was always the grab a tier one deck, whichever tier one deck I like and play that. And that's what I did. I've literally, this is the first deck I've ever brewed, and I don't know, it's just it's just a new experience for me. And uh, I definitely, you know, I definitely, f I, I feel like a lot of the times I can understand where the, where variance comes in and my wins and losses, and that's why when I went 4-0, I felt great, and then when I went 4-2, 
I still felt pretty great because I understood I made all the right, uh, at least what I could figure out. I made all the right decisions in that four two. And then I was frustrated with myself because the wheels fell off. And I, the, the last two losses, I'm truly disappointed in myself because I let my mulligans get to me. And mm-hmm. it, it just kind of, it kind of spiraled out of control. And I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I understand where you're coming from. And like, I hope, I hope that I can be better than that. Um, I'll just finish off the section, Matt. I just feel like I, I don't know, like really you just play eight rounds. It's just eight matches of a random test set. It doesn't really say all that much, um, especially about the deck, especially since you punted two games, two matches just away with your poor mulligan decision. So. I mean, I I really, like, there is a chance a deck is legit. There's a greater chance that a deck that is currently being played and top aiding is more legit. Um, and, and my last thought about, like, these pros giving you thoughts, like, some of them, even if they're famous, like Efro, they're just known, I'm not talking about Efro specifically, but from what I hear, just some people are just good technical players that offer zero insight into deck building um, at the Pro Tour level. They're just good playtest partners and that's what i hear so a lot of some of the big names won't be able even if they play your deck won't be able to give you shit because they're not good at that at all Uh, Um, okay that makes sense so now i'm gonna bring on to finish that up i will bring on alleged cheater dan lancey on the call (laughs) noted cheater hello Hello. Hello, alleged cheater Dan Lantier. Actually, Jay, you can you may do have all the honor of introducing him. Oh yeah, I hope that the opportunity to apologize to your fans <laughs> is taken seriously. Uh, I feel like for a week no apologies. <laughs> a public <laughs> apology has been written. He's prepared a public apology. Okay, yeah. Dan Lantier is here on a the most popular magic podcast uh, on the planet to apologize. To all of the uh, fans of Reddit and the um, the the uh, you know the just great detective minds on the internet, without them, I don't know what we would do. Um, they organize witch hunts in public. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that. but I mean, if they if they find a witch, like that's worth it. <laughs> sure. I guess you have to expose a few and you know burn them down and you know see what they're all made of before you can determine if they are actually a witch. But, that's uh, right. If you weren't a witch, then you'd fly. <laughs> Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, you go ahead. You tell us. You have the floor. You could do your statement. Well, I thought we were going to start this podcast from the start. I had a whole, I had a whole speech on how uh, I'm going to be seizing control of the podcast and taking over hostmanship. <laughs> you, missed the, you missed the boat. I'm sorry. Yeah, apparently you just said that very Canadian-like. The boat. The boat. The boot. You missed that boat, eh? The boat. All right, scumbag Dan, out with it. Yeah, scumbag Dan. <laughs> I like that. That's a best. Uh, I mean, like, really I, I don't, I don't know how much there else there is to say. Like, I mean, I feel. I, I mean, like it, it, it's, it's something taken directly from a match. I was looking through my library. Uh, I sorted the, I, I, you know, I pulled the cards apart as, as most people do when they see clumps. Um, not thinking, you know, twice about it. Yeah, well, uh, and then and then shuffled my deck, you know, six seven times and presented it for a cut. Um, 
I mean, obviously it gets taken out of context. Uh, you know, there was like a 6% chance I'd rather become a mint than I do on camera. And all of a sudden, you know, it raises uh, red flags that there was something, something going on. But I mean, like the truth about it is like, there was no premeditated act of it. And honestly, become a mint is probably the worst draw in my entire deck. So if I'm cheating, I'm not doing it very well. How did you do it? Please explain the cheat to us. Uh, We've the, never cheated, like, so we're not. Yeah, I'm. I'm the accused action. Like, what kind of person? Does no, I mean, how did you do it? I mean, we just we we're you know we want you to out yourself. Like, did you use your hands or was it some kind of? <laughs> There's nothing to out, and I'm not going to condemn myself any further. <laughs> I think that all the evidence is there on the screen, and that's really sort of where we have to leave it. That's kind of what we're saying, is all the evidence of your cheating is there on the screen. You just take it as you will. Well, How? Mean, your statement was to just come on here and not deny that you cheated? <laughs> that's balding. So, I ha how do you sleep at night? <laughs> uh, usually on my side. Um... <laughs> So Dan, I hadn't heard this hoopla. What's this hoopla? Is is that exactly what happened? Uh, well, so I was I was flying back home this morning, and I received a couple of messages saying, you know, comments like I'm, I'm reading an article right now about how you're a savage cheater, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, you know, completely to my surprise, it never really, you know, I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a joke at first. Um, but apparently there was a Reddit thread that was created that, you know, in, in one of my matches on camera, uh, someone perceived me to have, uh, I guess, stacked my deck in a way that I, I you know, I, I was able to essentially vampiric tutor a card to the top of my library after shuffling six, seven times and then presenting the deck to my opponent for a cut. If there's some way to do that, I, I, don't, I don't know how. And Yeah. <laughs> did your opponent cut your deck? He did, yeah. He shuffled it himself. Uh, he himself? cut it. He cut it like two times or whatever. I sh I shuffled it and then presented it to him after cutting it myself as well. Um, but I mean the the you know the 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 ludicrous part of it is that like why why would I want to put a become immense on top of my library when I have no creatures in my hand? <laughs> like I have and and none in play. Like I I have no way to actually use this this card. Why would I want to put it on top of my library in the first place? <laughs> I mean, why did you do that? <laughs> um I mean, I, you knew you were gonna use it later so why why would you not do that like put a card on top of your deck to draw that you couldn't play immediately that wouldn't win you the game immediately why would you do that dan that's a very good question and i'd honestly like you to answer that for me it could it have been like a black card because you don't play you don't play swamps like i i'm Dan, I understand. I like. I'm totally with you. This situation seems like absolutely absurd, and your reaction. And, and I didn't know any of this stuff beforehand. And I know you, and I, I would not believe any of that. <laughs> so this is all coming from a place of love. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I know that your your reaction of are are is it a joke? That's that to me like gives it away that you're totally. Like people who are accused of a crime, and are are told by a second hand, and then they think that it's a joke. They tend to be like, I've noticed they tend to be innocent. 
Yeah, I mean, I couldn't imagine there's anything else. Like, I mean, I just assumed that there was something that I was missing, something, you know, funny was said or, you know, there, I mean, there was obviously immediate frustration at first because, like, I'm wondering what's the angle here. But, uh, you know, once I found out what it was all about, I just thought it was some sick, some sick joke. Like, <laughs> how, 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 how could this even possibly be perceived as cheating? Because I'm obviously doing it the wrong way. Yeah. Well, how that did you win with that become immense? I did not even come close to winning that match. <laughs> so you cheated yourself out of a game win? I don't even think I dealt a single point of damage to him that game. Well, that's not how you cheat. Hey, you're, <laughs> you're, you're bad at cheating, obviously. Like, why would you try to cheat if you're so bad at it? Maybe it's a practice thing, Matt. Maybe he's... This, this, was the prevail- <laughs> this was the prevailing wisdom tossed my way this afternoon. It was just like, you know... If if you're looking for tips to do it properly, like you should you should really you know look into you know learning from the best because you're <laughs> doing it wrong sort of thing. Uh, so Dan, how did you end up doing it, Indy? Um, I started off six zero, so reasonably strong. But uh, once I hit that feature match and once I was outed for all my trickery, I did not win a single match afterwards. Uh. <laughs> oh, interesting. So it all went downhill from there. Uh, very quickly. Um, See, KYT, if you catch the cheater, they, <laughs> there's nothing that can be done afterwards. Even if they're only aware of it 12 hours or 24 <laughs> hours after. Yeah. <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's evidence that I was doing it wrong all, all, all along, too. Like, if I was, if I was cheating, why, why didn't I win the next five rounds? Well, because, I mean, everybody knew at that point they had to take you to live oak, obviously. Yeah, you make it sound so obvious. I don't know why I didn't talk to you in the first place. <laughs> I mean, really, I've been here the whole time. You could have figured this out. <laughs> it wouldn't have taken that long. Right? Jeez. Uh, Dan, you said you went six zero and then went zero five. Yeah. Yeah. How, what, how did you think about your deck? You played Suicide Zoo, right? Yeah, I th- I think the deck is really good. It's very explosive, very powerful. Um. It's very complicated to play. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think I did a, a reasonably good job of piloting it. I, I practiced a lot in the week before. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of luck on my side. Um, I also might have thrown away a game against Dredge in the final round of day one. Um, but I think I think it's a deck that like it actively looks to like it, it's really important to win the die roll because it's so tempo based and because it needs to to make the most out of its out of its plays the first three turns of the game um i did not win a single die roll the entire weekend (laughs) wow so you're bad at cheating at that too jeez i mean i think alexander hain has some dice you could borrow (laughs) (laughs) dan did you consider the uh the jun version that came out of the mocks at all i did yeah i looked into it a little bit um I didn't actually play any games with it, but I did talk to I talked to Luis directly, and I talked to some other people about it. It's basically it's 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 more threat dense in that it can find its death shadows a lot easier. And I mean, anyone who's not anyone who doesn't know the deck very well, um, like Death Shadow is is far and away the best card in the deck. Oh and yeah, I, th- I think uh, I probably won. I, th- I lost my feature match with Death Shadow in play, but. I think I probably won upwards of eighty percent of the games where I cast Death Shadow. It's just that powerful, and the and the Jun deck is able to. It's essentially got eight copies because it's got, it's got Traverse the Ovenwald. 
but it's a lot worse as cycling through its deck. It's got Mana Morphos, uh, which costs two mana, which is actively not what the deck is trying to do. And you're just trying to get the most out of, out, of, out of your plays every single turn, and it's only got 15 lands. So it doesn't have a whole lot of velocity. Uh, a lot is left to chance. Got some basic lands, which are very difficult to uh, you know, cast spells off of because the deck is so mana hungry for different colors. Uh, I just I don't think that it's as powerful as the four color version, um, though probably more consistent. So I mean, it's sort of a give and take. Hmm. So I understand. Are you going to the WMCQ in Toronto in September? Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, and is this among your top top deck choices? Definitely on the radar. I think. Um, I haven't soured completely to it. I, I think I think it's still very powerful. Uh, I don't know how I feel about it in like an eight or nine round event where every win and every loss is so important just because it's so high variance. Uh, right. So I'm still I'm still pondering over the options. Uh, I've got a few things that I'm considering. Modern as a whole is not very interesting to me right now. It seems like everything is just a, a glass cannon or... <laughs> You know, is leaving a lot to chance in the matchup game. If it's like it's either like control decks like Jund or Jeskai, and then a whole bunch of like combo decks that are trying to kill their opponents on like turn three or four and not interact in any way, which is just a horrible place to be. To be I, the games, the games. I don't know how how it was from like a viewer perspective, but it doesn't seem to me like the you know watching the games is any is is, is interesting in any way. Um. The they are you, still are still fun to play. I, I do enjoy you prefer this this environment to like Eldrazi Winter? Um, yeah, because I mean, there's more variety. Uh, I I just I ha- I've soured on the format since they banned Splinter Twin. I felt that, I mean, it, it's kind of selfish for me to say that in that like because that's that's the deck that I played you know time in time out. <laughs> um, but it, also just it existing brought a sense of balance to the format because it was a deck that didn't need to sideboard to win its tough matchups. It was a deck that sort of dictated the pace of play. It was a deck that sort of, um, you know, gave a give and take on what you can get away with and what your opponent can get away with. And it just, it, it, it made the format a lot more interesting, I found, uh, despite being super powerful and out of, of itself. So do you, do you mean to say, when going back to your variance comment, do you mean to say that you would not play it in you would you would prefer to play it in like an FNM or like a shorter PPTQ as opposed to like a WMCQ or even a Grand Prix? Uh Death Shadow? Yeah. No, I I, I think it's a I think it's a better Grand Prix deck because you can afford to take a couple losses. Like in a WMCQ, it's nine rounds and you can you can really only afford to take one loss, like maybe two. So I, I I doubt that many X twos are going to be making the top eight of the event. Hmm. Okay. But there's not there's just not a whole lot to give, uh, in that kind of event. Whereas you can get away with taking like two or three or four losses in a Grand Prix and still get out of there with some cash and some pro points. Oh. I don't okay. know. Does that make sense? Like yeah when, yeah when no we actually had this discussion earlier. Okay. Because I felt like uh, my deck because I play Ponza, and uh, I felt like my I was worried that my deck is not a good Grand Prix deck for that very reason. Like I feel like I'm going to pick up two losses just because my deck's going to shit on me sometimes, um, and I don't know if it's like if it's a like a better small tournament event or or the you know I don't know how that actually like how do you think it goes? 
Well, it might be the wrong way to look at it, but personally, like for, for an event like WMCQ, I'm more inclined to want to pick a safer deck. I'm going to want more ability to make decisions and have my decisions have like impact on the match. I feel like uh, I'm going to be able to, um, you know, leverage my play skill better in an environment like that, where I think that like competition is higher to Grand Prix. Okay. Uh, I'm just I'm basically just looking at at more ways to sort of leverage like my ability to play and interact oh, in a game. That just sounds really familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. KYT said the exact same thing earlier. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Very yeah. wise. Well, I had we had this, uh, the Maybe we should let him host the show. Yeah. I agree. I agree. He he's done okay so far. Um, he's done all right. That, he's done all right. Then I, I completely agree with you, especially in the WMCQ where you're um how, how, like honestly one likely one of the top five players in the room, maybe top three or even the best, then I think I could see you doing better um if we if we play that tournament like a hundred times over, that you'd you'd be more successful with a controlish type deck or a deck with more decisions or forcing your opponent to make more harder decisions. Uh, I could see you totally uh, top eighting a high, high percentage. I mean, KYT, we haven't really seen him play clean yet. So. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> to be fair. I, I, re- I felt that one coming. I really did. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, yeah, basically, I'm just going to ignore that comment. Uh, I'm just going to move on to what KYT was saying. Like, yeah, I think that like a, a, cho- a, de- a deck like Jund is going to give me more ability to control my own fate. I think, you know, so, okay. something, something along those lines. I'd, I'd prefer something less high variance than a Death Shadow where, you know, if it doesn't come together in the first two or three turns, like sometimes you, you know, the game's just over. Like you just don't have the ability to come back because it, you know, it's just, you're, you're trying to leverage your advantage in the early game so much. And once your opponent has the ability to interact with you further, your, your whole deck just sort of falls apart. And I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather prevent games like that from happening. I kind of want to be in control of my own fate, considering I don't really have any losses to give in that sort of scenario. Hmm, okay. I don't know. That's, that's, my, that's my approach. Again, like at a, at a Grand Prix, I'm more inclined to play something uh, high-powered, something that's going to be able to you know, steal some wins here and there, um, something that's going to be difficult for my opponents to interact with uh, pre-board, um, and just something you know, outright powerful. I think, I think for the most part, I'm accepting of taking two, three losses because I know that for the most part, I'm just there to, to collect some pro points and collect some, some money. Top eight is sort of like a bonus. Okay, cool. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question was part of the other part of the conversation that we had earlier was also why, why, like, because I went to Indy and I was asked after the fact when I didn't do well, because I 4 would and then 0 4 uh, which is not quite We're so similar. similar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I had the high, high, and then the low, low. And I, I was like, my friend was like, why, why did you want to go to the GP? And I like, well, I want to, to either, you know, win the thing or qualify for the pro tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, well, you're going to have a ton of variants. Like you're going to just step on some landmines. You're going to play the, this path to the pro tour puts you in front of, Hall of Famers and people who are already on the Pro Tour, where you won't experience that at a PPTQ or an RPTQ level. And he's like, You're, I feel like you're going for the wrong reason. And I was curious about how you 
how and why did you start going to Grand Prix and what did you want to get out of them uh, when you first started going to them? And then what did you, what do you want out of them now? Um, that's a really good question. Uh, I think when, when I first started, it was, it was all about, you know, the competition. I, for my entire youth, I played, I played hockey competitively. And once I got into my later teenage years and once I, you know, got out of high school and started working and stuff, there was just no more time for, for playing, playing hockey as much as I wanted to. Uh, and, and I found out that there were, you know, magic tournaments and, and stuff like that. And it was just another, you know, way that I could, that I could compete outside of like league play. Uh, and I, and I wanted to play, uh, you know, somewhere that I could, you know, play against some of the, some of the best players and, and, and learn and improve. And it's just sort of, that's, you know, something that I've act, always actively tried to do for myself. Um, so it, playing on the, on the Grand Prix stage is just sort of like a natural evolution of that. You want to be exposed to that, to the, to, you know, to the limelight of it. You want, you know, uh, high stakes matches. You want to play against the better players. You want to play against, you know, whatever, whatever you can get your hands on. And I think back then I was really just looking at it that way. But now that I'm in the place where I am right now, where, where I'm, where I'm gold and I'm able to go to all, all the pro tours next year. I'm looking at Grand Prix as just a way to secure some additional pro points so that I can maintain that. Like, I just want to, you know, continue to, to be able to play at the pro level. Uh, and Grand Prix are just a way to, um, to sustain that, to, to, to keep playing there. Okay. Cool. That that, sense? Yeah, that's a good answer. <laughs> okay. Boom. It's been a Matt Mendoza therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my, my goal has never been to like, well, I mean, I guess, I guess I'd be lying to myself and, and, and cheating myself if I, if I didn't say my goal wasn't to, like, to win Grand Prix, you know, but, yeah. and, and even now that I've, I've done it twice now, but even now, like, I still, I still have this feeling like, you know, that's not, that's not me. Like, I'm not, I'm not the best, I'm not the best player in the game, but I think I'm, I'm like, I'm capable of you know, performing on performing on that level and I, I mean I still I still reach for it at every opportunity um but yeah uh, I don't know exactly where I was going with that but like okay. you know I, I I don't know I still don't sort of like I haven't considered myself like at the pro level yet I'm still sort of I still see myself as like a grinder and that's why like the Grand Prix level is just still sort of feels like home okay cool yeah I'm a I'm a fledgling grinder and I have uh aspirations and just trying to get there and just trying to figure out what what's a reasonable expectation for going to Grand Prix and what I should reasonably at, like look to get out of them and i realize that that's a you know that's a different thing for different people uh yeah, like the answer I could give you is going to be the difference, like a different answer that you know you're you're going to give yourself. Like whenever I go to a Grand Prix, I'm just looking to improve. Like there's, we're never we never stop like improving as players. So whenever I go there, I'm looking to learn something. When I take a loss, I'm looking to learn something. When I win, I'm looking to learn something. Um, and and that's that's really the only way that we can that we can get better and continue to do this and have better results and you know have more fun and you know do whatever like. I remember, I think my first Grand Prix, I went like one five or something, but you know, I took lessons from it. And then the next time I came back and I got two wins, the next time I came back and I got three wins and, you know, eventually it all just sort of <laughs> comes around. Cool. Cool. 
I don't know why I'm I'm reminded of that PTQI one where I asked her record and you said you were like <laughs> eight five or something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing. Um, no, it was three five. I, yeah, <laughs> or something's really stupid. <laughs> You're like, why are you still playing? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and I won with the uh, won the whole thing with the exact same seventy five, basically. Yeah. Uh, um. Okay, we're. We're at the tail end of the show. Matt, do you have the winner of our contest? Yes, I do. So uh, I was going to roll a die for this one because five people got it correctly. But really, one person got it correct, and then the other kind of piled on. So which I'm not going to usually do this because I don't usually I don't believe that you should be punished for listening to the podcast a little bit later and commenting a little bit later in the in the week, but uh, Doug Potter, two in a row. What the fuck? Yeah, he he was the first one to guess Catacomb Sifter. That was the that was the correct guess. Oh. So once again, yes, contact Matt <laughs> for your prize. And um, yeah, the first guess was from Beyond, and it wasn't it. So Doug, Doug's got it again. Yeah, clearly. So in the contest Not this fair. week. Not Dan, uh, now that you're on here, uh, I don't know how you can cheat on this one, but I'm sure you'll find a way. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay, let me have it. Okay, so 20 questions. 20 of them? Yep, I have a, I have a random. I went to magiccards.info and hit random. Oh, I have a random ever oh, oh shut it's, it's a random, it's a random card and i have to guess what it is no yeah you have to ask like 20 questions and it's so fucking bad because every question you ask is like well does that count the oracle text or not uh, which version of the art are we looking at you are the worst fucking person jay <laughs> no that's false i'm not worse than hitler or donald trump <laughs> it's true it's true so it, it can be any card from all of magic correct Holy crap, I'm doomed. Yeah, a lot of people get the card in like in, you know, in ten questions. If you ask the right questions. Well, a lot of people aren't me. Well no shit. If a card's yeah. out of standard, I just forget it exists half the time. <laughs> Is it in standard? No. Is it goblin lackey? Nope. Alright, that's two questions. Jesus. Is it is it Great, black? Buddy. Uh no, and uh, we rotate. So you ask three questions, and now KYT and Jay get to ask. <laughs> it's like Dan's the guy that you take to like that, that guru that's sitting on the top of the mountain, you know. And it's like you can have. There's three of us. It's like me, Dan, and KYT. And then the guru's like you can each you can ask three questions about anything. <laughs> and then Dan's like only three questions, and the guy's like, yeah. I'm like, really? Like yeah, like why very nice. Why are you doing this? And like because I can. Okay, here's my first question. Like nope, Dan fucked the whole trip. Like we lost three chirpas on the way up. We fucking had to. We like KYT ended up getting divorced for being so gone for so long. Cost me my life savings. And Dan just Dan just blasted us three rapid fire. Is it black? I don't know. Fuck. <laughs> We just can we act mature? Sorry. <laughs> can we just so? <laughs> is come it on. standard? No. 
Is a goblin lackey no? Is it black no? Right. That's that's what we have so far, Matt. Yeah, correct. Okay, I'll go next. Is it red? No. Okay. Is it a permanent? Yes. Um. Is it Gaia's cradle? No. <laughs> I love this. It's terrible at this game, Dan. Does it cost three or lower? Does it cost three or more? Or or lower? Three or lower? Yes. The permanent to cost three or less. Now to clarify, do lands have a casting cost? Uh, the converted mana cost. I I when you when you say cost, I refer to con converted mana. See, cost. this is why this contest is stupid, Dan. See where I was going. Okay. So it costs three or less. It's a permanent. It's not one of two specific cards. <laughs> it's all magic, and it's not black, and it's not red. Okay, great. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, does it have a power and toughness? No. All right, KYT. No, it's Dan's turn. Uh, should I ask a real one? No. Up to you, really. Is it colorless? No. Is it blue? Yes. Ooh. A blue permanent that costs three or less and doesn't have a power or toughness. That's not in standard. And it's not in standard. It's not in standard, right? Correct. Yeah. That's ten questions. Fucking sweet. <laughs> you guys have done our audience a fairly big disservice. Yeah, Doug will still get this. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, and it costs three or less. Uh, does it have mana converted or otherwise in the text box? No. Dan? Um, does it have mana in the text box was the question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it an enchantment? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is it modern playable? Wow, that's an opinion question. It, <laughs> is, it is not legal, legal and modern. Legal. I mean, I mean, modern legal. Sorry. Ooh, okay, okay, so it's not legal and modern. It's not legal and standard. The blue enchantment without mana in the casting or in the box. He hesitated on enchantment, so I'm going to venture it's an aura. Yes, interesting, interesting. Uh. Uh, is there a picture of a person in the art? What the crap? That's yes. worse than asking if it's Gay's Cradle. Oh, it's yes. You got a yes. Oh, there's like a hundred thousand pictures in Magic. <laughs> Not on our blue. Without a power tuff, it's cost three less and our only legacy vintage playable. Ooh, actually, maybe it's God. like a conspiracy or something. Um, whose question is this? It's yours, Dan. Um, can I ask... No, I'll just ask a normal question. Does it have an activated ability? It does not. Ooh. Um, I don't know, man. Does it... Uh... <laughs> Why don't you ask, like, mana cost specifics or something? Actually, is it an uncommon... Um. Holy crap! It must be old. Yeah. 
it is like not tempest legal or something it is not an uncommon hmm and it has a person in the picture <laughs> yes see what happens if we guess the card like the contest is over and the point is not for you guys to guess the card I know, yeah, like, the, what if what if it was Goblin Lackey? <laughs> it was. <shit. laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, ooh. I think we can say with certainty at this point it's not Goblin Lackey, right? Okay. I feel like it is this card. Well, Goblin Lackey is not blue. <laughs> uh, now, when to clarify earlier, I just want to clarify. When I asked if it has a person in the art, now, I meant more of like a living person, like a humanish. What do they call those? A humanoid? Like a humanoid, yeah. It so, has a person, a humanoid. Okay. Uh, I, I just make sure. Like if it's a ghost, but it's a human ghost, is that humanoid? Or if it's like a cat person or a vampire, is that like a person? Like is that a humanoid? I just want to make sure that I'm on the right track here. <laughs> yeah, you're on the right track. Okay, okay, good. Okay. But, like, a Bayloth is not a humanoid, so then when I ask, is it a person, that would be a no. Yeah, I, I, it is a humanoid. Yeah, it is a humanoid. It's a humanoid. Uh... Um... Is it from Stronghold? Uh, that's a really terrible question. It is. Uh, no. Okay. Um, how many questions are we at right now? Uh, 17. So it's, is it unstable mutation? No. God, I thought I had that one. <laughs> Pretty damn confident. We said it was less than or equal to? Correct. Come on, let's end this contest. We need to guess this. Come on, team. Is it a common? It is a common. So that's 19, so I have the last question. Yep. Even though Dan has like three questions more than everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gold. Uh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> Off the back of Savage, does savage it, Cheats. Does it have... Does it have... How do I word this so that you understand does it have, um, like a? I don't know if this is accurate or not. A keyword ability, and by that I mean like something like kicker or community upkeep or like, I don't know if that's called a keyword. Like, like aura swap, or like threshold or hellbent, whatever those are called. Does it have one of those abilities? It does not. Not. Holy crap! This game is impossible. It is impossible. Currently, like I have. Spreadsheet up. There's currently only like fifty thousand cards. This could be perfect. I don't think there's that many cards in Magic. No, there's not. This has L5R cards in it too, though. <laughs> <laughs> so that was twenty questions. But Dan blew five of. Them. <laughs> Does that mean I get one more? No, <laughs> you definitely don't get one more. <laughs> I should give KYT and J extra questions because your questions were so bad. Yeah, but they're not gold. 
It's true. Well, we're not cheaters. Okay. But there's no <laughs> so there so for Jay's question, there's no like the word flying isn't in there. Right. Correct. Okay. I mean, they might get it. They might so, get it. in lieu of an additional question, because Dan's questions were so bad, <laughs> and building on the art game from last week, I am also going to give you a hint concerning the artwork. Whoa. The Lord is generous. The humanoid pictured is wearing a yellow dress. Oh, shit. That's too obvious. All right. There you have it. That's the contest, and uh, let's hope... Well, not really. If Doug goes three in a row, I don't really care. <laughs> Go, Doug. Go, Doug. Oh, Go, I know Doug. what it is. Um, what is it? What can I, I say? Can't say? Well, yeah. Kyle will. Uh, Kyle will edit it out. I'll just type it in the chat. Okay. All right. Um, you are correct. Ooh, I. Uh, Not you, Jay. You were wrong. No, I know. <laughs> How did you get that? Let's take a look. I want. I think it was too obvious. Oh yeah, it's way too obvious. See, if you look at the card that I thought it was. It's a subtle hint. Is it? Yeah. Because you can barely... See? See what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. Like, at a glance, you would yeah. miss that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can see that. But this one's just... It's all right. The point of the question is not... The point of the contest is not to make people not get it. You should have picked Goblin Lackey. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been so awesome if it was, like... If it was Goblin Lackey, and then Kyle had to like bleep it out, and it was like the second question. <laughs> that would have been so sweet. Well, all right. Good episode, guys. Dan, are you ever going to do like a clinic on how to cheat or anything? I would not recommend anyone to buy into that. Can I? Can I start a Kickstarter? Uh, you could try. I feel like this podcast is nothing but scar my my. <laughs> what? I, I feel I feel like this podcast is nothing but scar my reputation. Well, I mean, getting caught cheating on camera. How could we do even worse than that? Jesus. <laughs> hey, I said you were a good guy. Yeah, let's go to the count for something. Yeah. Um, thanks for being on the show, Dan, and, uh, I know we didn't clear your name, but, uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, try and, cheating uh, a little less next time, or a little better, either or. <laughs> and we'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye-bye.